So, I realize that so far, every time we've talked about Enterprise, we've had something to say about the uh, title sequence and song. But I have actually something different to say about that that is not necessarily related to the song itself. <laughs> but um, oh, well, can I it, uh, go for it? I will say that I watched this one while Kim was in the room, and okay. she burst out laughing when the song played. <laughs> Okay, if we are going to say something quickly about the song, I know kind of the joke before has been, like, we have no idea if it's been the same song every time because it's so forgettable, but I think, I I feel like this one was the same song, but a different, like, recording of it. Oh, really? And again, I didn't go back and watch other episodes or compare it to anything, but it just sounded like the words and melody, I think, were familiar, but for some reason I remembered it being less, like, dramatic than it was this time. I don't know what it was about it, but anyways. Maybe you were just very slowly getting used to it. <laughs> yeah, that must be. But all that aside, one of the... So one of the, what they do during the title sequence is they sort of go forward through history, starting from old sailing ships and kind of showing the advance of, like, human exploration and then going, you know, proceeding through actual history and then up into future Star Trek history. So you see the first like warp drive ship and then you it finishes with the enterprise it's kind of like like the thing that they do a lot on the shows where they mention like you know william shakespeare like uh ernest hemingway like gloop glorp you know like <laughs> yes. <a> certain... <laughs> yeah um and, it, and it's a cool i think it's a cool effect like a cool, you know what they do um but i i noticed in this time and it kind of got me thinking about this because one of the things they show is the space shuttle uh enterprise and they show you know because it's got the enterprise name on the side because they show any anything that was named enterprise in the past they they show like there was an old british sailing ship called the enterprise and they kind of show this trend the interesting thing with that is that the so the actual there was an actual space shuttle named enterprise and it was the first uh of the space shuttles that was built uh and it was mostly like a like for testing i like i don't think it ever actually went into space it just did kind of testing within the earth's atmosphere of but it was mm-hmm. named enterprise because of a letter writing campaign from star trek fans to uh, <laughs> to like nasa or to the white house like it was supposed to That's have funny. some other name initially i think it was supposed to uh, so it was supposed to be called the Constitution initially, and it was going to be released on Constitution Day. And this was in the seventies, and there were there was this huge hundreds of thousands of letters, letter writing campaign from Trekkies that it should be named the Enterprise instead. Mm. Which funny. then raises this interesting thing of within the fictional universe of Star Trek, it's still called the Enterprise and. What exactly yeah. does that mean for... <laughs> art uh, influences life, influences art. That's funny. Hi, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And uh, <clears throat> on this uh, this podcast today, we are going to be talking about... Uh, Star Trek Enterprise Season 3, Episode 8, uh, which is called Twilight. This episode is uh, written by Mike Sussman and directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. Really? I, yep. I didn't catch that, but you know who Robert Duncan McNeil is, right? I don't. 
Robert Duncan McNeil is... Let me make sure I'm right about this. Yeah, Robert Duncan McNeil is Tom Paris. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's the actor that played Tom Paris. Huh. Well, I liked this more than any of the scenes with starring <laughs> Tom Paris in Voyager. Apparently he, his true calling was directing. Maybe, maybe, maybe so. What? Uh, so this is our third episode, I believe, right, that we've watched of, of Enterprise for the show? I believe so, yeah. I, I can only think of two... And this is the first episode we've seen from the show that is not in season one. And I didn't hate this. Uh, We've had some kind of negative things to say about Enterprise uh, in the past, those episodes we've seen of it. And I didn't like love this. I didn't think it was like awesome or anything, but I thought this was a pretty decent episode. And I think that there's some kind of certainly I think some interesting concepts at play. I think the ending of it is a little bit narratively week i think it could i think you could you could have done something more interesting there than they ended up doing but uh really I think... see i and i get, i guess we'll kind of get there but yeah we can get there but yeah i i i'll say i really i really liked this episode i, th- I thought it was really good that's um, uh, I'm, I'm i'm glad we can get some positivity going with uh, with enterprise yeah yeah and i mean for for sure it's the the best enterprise episode we've watched yet so oh for sure absolutely it's good, it's, not good even, to, it's good to know they're not all bad not even close is it it's it but it's it's clearly the best uh, that we've seen of enterprise the summary on of for twilight on uh, memory alpha is the effect of a delphic expanse anomaly leaves archer unable to, perf- to form any new long-term memories 12 years later, he wakes up one morning and is stunned to learn the outcome of the human-Zindi conflict, including the loss of Earth and the near annihilation of the human race. Yeah, so uh, why don't you take us, kind of take us in, uh, Brady, what's what's kind of our, you know, how, how does this episode start? So it starts, uh, I think the, the cold open is one of these, it kind of starts and you don't really know what's going on at this point, but Archer uh, wakes up in his room and kind of stumbles out onto the bridge as the ship is under attack or like in combat well you actually you you skipped at the beginning at the very beginning he wakes up in his quarters and uh some like somebody confronts him and he and somebody says they have to like the cat the captain says that he has to stay oh, yeah, in the his captain quarters. ordered me to like keep you here yeah and his response is to immediately punch that person in the face uh <laughs> yeah. that's not no no questions just immediately like nope punch punch time <laughs> that's right which you know, definitely the the James Kirk school of of captainry there on a, on a little bit of display. I feel perhaps yeah. Oh, that would have maybe been a like karate chop to the back of the neck. I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so he he busts out onto the bridge, notably uh, shirtless through through this cold open, and kind of just in time to see that uh, to Paul, who's the the Vulcan. I, I should know what her actual job is. I think she's acting as like first officer. I believe that's she's correct. A, yeah, yeah. Um, that's on the ship. She now is the captain, and then like before anything else can happen, they see this uh, screensaver come out of space and uh-huh. and blow up the Earth. Hell of an opening. Yeah, it shoots this beam, and the Earth blows up, and then we go into our lovely ballad of a title song. I've got faith! That's the part I know still. Yeah. And also, I found it funny that, like, I think the first first shot of the, of, like, the title sequence is of Earth, which 
we like just saw <laughs> explode. It's it's a little it's a little jarring and a little weird. Both tonally from the the music does not at all fit the drama of what just happened. Um, yeah, and then we see all these scenes from Earth. This is a classic uh, prequel problem. Uh, not that even if you hadn't been, if this wasn't a prequel show, that you probably would have bought just based on how Star Trek works. You probably wouldn't have bought that Earth would blow up, but. Especially knowing that this is the this is chronologically the first ever uh, Star Trek uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and there's definitely Earth in all of the other Star Trek shows. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, oh wow, the Earth blew up. I wonder how they'll fix it by the end of the of the episode. But I, it's still yeah. a good a good opening. It you know it, it, it yeah. Should. I yeah I wrote down a very similar thing that like you immediately you immediately know that like. Okay, well, some some shenanigans are going to happen here because because we know that in the future Earth is not destroyed. But mm. I, I will also say that the I thought the effects of that scene were actually pretty good. Like the the sphere thing itself looked a, looked a little weird and CG ish, but I thought the the actual like Earth blowing up was pretty impressive for you know especially for like a television show. Yeah, there, there's some other stuff later on in the episode that I didn't think was quite as successful for the CG of it, but this was this looked fine to me. Yeah, um, and then so then they uh, we come back from the credits, and I I forget what is is it next is the next part just him like in the little house when he's older? Um, or do they show more of like what happened on Enterprise first? Uh, yeah, no, I believe yeah, it's just like. Yeah, it's just, he wakes up. He wakes up, and it's been twelve years since. Yeah. And the the uh, show does kind of again very sort of as part of the storytelling. They sort of jump around in time a little bit. There's a lot of flashbacks and flash forwards. Um, and essentially, what we found out, what we kind of find out as uh, T'Pol is explaining this to Archer in the future is that there was some anomaly that hit the ship. Uh, just one day that uh, the kind of Archer and T'Pol were, t- were walking down a hallway together um, and they were hit by this anomaly. And then as Arch was trying to like save T'Pol's life and rescue her, cause she had gotten pinned under a piece of debris. Um, mm. You know, he, he kind of stuck around in this quarter trying to rescue her. And then he was hit head on by this anomaly that caused him to have amnesia. Um, and so from that point on, he could never make any new long-term memories. The last thing he could remember was always sort of right before that happened. And he can't, uh, they can't treat it, uh, treat the paras- the, the parasites because they exist outside of the, uh, the space time continuum, basically. That's not necessarily exact the exact phraseology yeah. they use, but which which you know I, they he explains that and then I'm like oh okay so that's how the episode will end is that oh did you <laughs> did you forget well, it, it, they just, like, like use that to fix the space time continuum or whatever well, yeah just the idea that like they're like okay well it doesn't it does exist outside of like regular constraints of time and I was like all right well I'm not saying I know exactly how it ended but clearly it will have to do with like the kind of you know time fluid principles of these things will allow them to revert back to when the episode started. But. Uh, so yeah. And then as she's sort of telling this story, they kind of go through how things progress over the next bit of time. And that basically for a while, Archer keeps trying to be captain, um, but, but isn't able to do it because he keeps, 
you know, forgetting everything and just isn't able to kind of fulfill the duties of being the captain of the ship. And so he steps down and T'Pol becomes captain. And then shortly after that is when uh, the Earth is destroyed and essentially the humans are turned into this kind of, basically these like refugees that settle on this this little colony. Virtually, virtually, yeah. Like all, all like Earth, Earth has been blown up, but also all of the colonies on other planets have also been destroyed. Yeah, and they, and I, again, I, I don't know if this is the case in like, or like, you know, in the lore of Enterprise, like why they're fighting the Zindi or or that, but it, they kind of, it, to me, it, they made it sound like the Zindi are like intentionally, like have some sort of personal thing against. Like they want to hunt down and destroy all of the humans, right? right. Like it's not like a war for some other reason, but they like destroyed Earth, and then they've like just tried to get any other humans that they can find anywhere. I, I kind of purposely didn't look that up just because I, don't know, I thought it'd be more fun if it was to unfold as we keep watching Enterprise episodes. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, just just kind of the, some of the way they they talked about it. It seems like you know it's more than you know you would think if there were a war for some sort of strategic or military reason once you've destroyed the other side's planet like you've essentially won um but but yeah the way they kind of describe in this episode how few humans are left make it seem like you know they're really intentionally trying to hunt them all down and kill them and so there's extermination yeah yeah. so there's i think they say like just a few thousand humans left that live on this uh this colony which i don't know if you caught this but at one point, they say the name of the the planet that, that they've made the colony on. And uh, I did not catch it. Oh yeah, so it's it's on SETI Alpha Five, which uh, is the if it sounds familiar is the planet that um, that they put Khan on. It well in the original series when they like banish him to like this yeah, oh, and then that ends he ends up you know, ends up being in the Wrath of Khan, the, like, original, the planet that he starts out on. That's interesting. Yeah, is is City Alpha 5. That's, like, funny to think about that, like, that Khan, that Khan was, yeah, so Khan, yeah, Khan wouldn't have been there, yet, but yeah, that's that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and, and again, as she kind of, so, so, and so this, this story is being told to Archer by, to Paul, who has stayed on this colony with him to sort of take care of him. Uh, and you get the sense that she, like, essentially has told him the same story every day, because every day he wakes up and doesn't remember what happened, and yeah, she's Kim, there and tells it to him. Kim, Kim was basically like, this is 51st States. That's <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah. what it is. It is. It's, well, it's, it, it's, I haven't seen 51st States. I have seen Memento, though, which is, I guess, sure, sure. is... I guess it's got a little bit more, from what I know of Fifty First Dates, it's got a little bit more of that than it does of Memento. But yeah, um, just, I also just, thought it. <laughs> when he wakes up with like tattoos that say like Zindi and uh, yeah, it Malcolm's fake mustache and things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, which I guess so to spin off on that a little bit. It's I did find it interesting that you know the the anterograde amnesia which is this specific type of memory loss where people are unable to essentially make new long-term memories like they have short-term memories and then they have still have memories from before whatever the inciting uh thing was um and they usually have i I did a little this i did do a little bit of reading on um and because there's different types of memory Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we just need, we need to... this, this would have been a good episode to have um, That's Not How Science Works on. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, Go listen to That's how, not how Science Works. They're one of our sister podcasts on the yeah. Kaleidoscope Media Network. <laughs> but yeah, to briefly do my own little little bit on that, there's you know different types of memory. And, and apparently in, in actual cases, this type of amnesia can affect either episodic memory, which is, uh, which is this, which is essentially like having a memory of things that happened mm-hmm. and not being able to have those. Um, but, but in that case, there's another type of memory called semantic memory, which is more of just a, like not based on a specific event, but just kind of knowledge of knowledge of a language or knowing how things work or how to do things, right? Like you, do, nobody remembers the time that they were taught to ride a bike, but you still remember and know how to ride a bike. And there's apparently types of amnesia where you can lose either one or the other of that. And so in this case, the you know the the characters lost their episodic memory, so they're they don't remember things that happened, but they still know who they are and kind of what is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but anyways, all that aside, I, I thought it was interesting that they take something that is an actual, like this is an actual real, you know, it's not common, but it's an actual, uh, a real thing, but they, and there's, you know, real physiologic or medical reasons that can cause it in humans, but instead they come up with this, like a sci-fi reason to have it that no one knows how to treat when in fact, you know, that they make it due to these like quantum parasites instead of due to any of the things that can actually cause it in reality. Is there any way to treat it in real life? Like what do you, you know, if, if, if someone, if I had this, why would I have it? And, and what would you, what could you do about it? So I think, and I think part of it depends on what the cause of it is. So it, it, it can be caused by, um, I, I think most of the, unless there's like a specific thing that's causing it, um, it's usually caused by some sort of actual trauma or like loss of brain matter. So if people have had to have part of their brain removed due to a tumor or like a stroke to a specific area or trauma to a specific area, that essentially the sort of area of the brain that does that can be lost. And it's usually, it can't be like completely cured or... So it's usually treated just kind of with long, uh, with kind of long rehabilitation and uh, therapy and and those sort of things to kind of manage and and sort of retrain the brain um, or or just become kind of you know very like dependent on written things and notes and mm. whole body tattoos for example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 something that. Uh, at least right now, I don't believe can, is like very effectively treated or cured, and it's more more just kind of managing the the kind of doing their best to be able to continue to function and. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is interesting. Yeah, so that was a um, and and then I did actually check in this. Uh, I didn't look at when Fifty First Days came out, but this episode did come out a couple years after Memento, at least. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a completely novel thing in, in entertainment. Uh, but anyways, this has been Brady's Medical Corner. Brady's Medical Corner. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyways, um, so basically T'Pol has been Archer's kind of caretaker on this um, on this colony through this whole time, and she is essentially doing that is like helping him to function, kind of reminding him of what's happened um, because she's someone that's familiar to him and that he knows um, from before. And we and then she says that 
you know, today is like a particularly important day because um, Dr. Flox has actually fix, figured out a way to uh, remove these parasites and potentially restore his memory. And to do it, they have to go back to the Enterprise itself because they need the power of a, a warp engine, which I actually, I actually thought was kind of a neat uh, storytelling, a neat way they did that. Um, because as part of getting there in sort of all these battles, the Enterprise has been badly damaged. And so is only able to go at like minimum speed and essentially is kind of trapped, not really trapped, but is is limited to the, uh, in the sense that it, it can't really leave this planet. It just it kind of doesn't have the power anymore. It's sort of this old broken down ship at this point. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been patrolling this planet where the colony is, which, and then when it's time to fix him and they need the power of a starship warp engine, it means that like the Enterprise is still there. They kind of go back to where they had all started on. Um, and I, I thought it was a neat little narrative device of kind of to give there a reason for it to still be right there and for them to have to go back to the Enterprise for the climax of the story. Yeah, although it is kind of uh, depressing that so much of so many of the crew members are just still there. Like after all this, I guess it's only twelve years, but like it's just like a bummer. What 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 Earth has been reduced to? It's like oh man, it's rough. Yeah, they kind of, yeah, because, you know, because in other Star Trek shows, usually whenever they show, like, something in the future, you know, kind of everyone is the captain of their own other ship now, right? Yeah. Like, it'll, like, Riker is some admiral or captain of another ship, or, like, Geordi flies up in the ship that he's the captain of now, and, um, but yeah, they, they mentioned that, who is, is it Malcolm that, like, just got made the captain, a captain of a ship? Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, isn't like must have just happened because he's still just hanging out there on Enterprise. Yeah. So you, we see Trip and Malcolm and uh, Sato on the ship, and, and Flax yeah, too, I okay. guess. Flax basically looks the same, if I recall correctly. Uh, Sato just got a different haircut, but looks otherwise the same. And yeah. then they gave Trip gray hair, and they gave Trip Malcolm and Archer have it, gray hair. Ex- Trip they gave Malcolm kind of... extremely fake facial hair. <laughs> Yeah. They also gave um, Archer pretty fake gray hair. Yeah. Um, and they gave T'Pol a ponytail. Right. Well, I don't know. T'Pol's, T'Pol's whole look in this episode, I it's I couldn't remember. Does she always just wear just a sweatpants and a sweatsuit? Her regular uniform is bad. It's just... It's, yeah, she... In the long tradition, I guess, of having like the sexy character be have a bad uniform on these shows, but still, it's like... It is. It's yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, I think in the... It, yeah, because in this one, she's pretty much just wearing that, like, maroon sweatsuit that she hangs around the colony in. Um, and the, except for there's, you know, there's a few scenes where she's actually wearing a Starfleet uniform after she gets made captain. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is, like you said, very much the that character on the Star Trek show that doesn't get to wear a real uniform most of the time because she needs to wear something more tight-fitting. Yep, she's um, the... She's the Seven of Nine, or the... Uh, Deanna Troy. Deanna Troy, yeah. I guess, I guess Dax got to wear a, a Starfleet uniform. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 probably the tightest uniform on DS9 is um, uh, Kira. Yeah, I guess that's true, because Kira has like the... Uh, it's still a uniform, outfit. though. It's not like... It's yeah. got like a logo on it and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, a cat suit. Yeah, because I, I think in... At least in like the ones we've seen in season one, she wears some other, like it's this kind of like brownish, just clothes. I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, so she, um, kind of, so they go, they go back to the ship and right as they are about to start this process, they are attacked by the Zindi again. Um, and so, uh, Tucker and, is it, that's his name. I can never remember anybody's name on this show. Yeah, uh, like yeah, Trip various... Tucker. He's the captain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you should say too. The reason why the Zindi have come is because they were able to figure out where the humans are because they had sent us someone to spy on the movements of Flocks because Flocks had left the starship for a while to like try to find a cure for Archer, and so it is yes. in a way like kind of Archer's fault. Not really, but like, yes, yes and no. Kind of Archer's fault that they're being found out, and this is maybe going to be humanity's uh, last stand, so to speak. Yeah, because yeah, because they've been so focused on trying to cure Archer that then they sort of led them right to the last uh, um, refuge of the humans. Yep. And so uh, Trip and Malcolm are trying to fight off the Zindi from the bridge and and meanwhile Flox and T'Pol are trying to trying to cure these parasites and they they end up finding out that when they remove they remove sort of one cluster of parasites from Archer's brain and when they do that then when they look back through older scans they find that they've actually changed essentially changed history that these parasites now kind of are gone even in the past but they were never they were never in his brain but it's like they yeah and so so then they realized that if they could, you know, if they can remove all of the parasites, it would make it so that the parasites were never there, which would chain, like, prevent all of this from happening and potentially even prevent Earth from being destroyed and sort of set everything back to to the way it was at the start of the episode. Well, so some, of the, some of them think that's going to happen and some of them don't buy it. So, like... Flox yes. and T'Pol, and for, to a lesser extent, like Archer himself, believe that that's what would happen. That but then yeah. Trip, who is the captain of the ship, does not think that, and so he kind of yeah, and so he won't let like, them not gonna use spend... the ship's power to to do that because yeah. they're under attack. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then everybody else gets blown up, and so then they have the freedom to do whatever they want. Um, uh, so like the bridge of the ship gets blown away. Um, everybody dies except for T'Pol and Flox and Archer, and so they run to engineering to try to use all the ship's power to take out all these parasites at once. And there's this very climactic scene where the Zindi are attacking, and they're finding them off. And like with this last bit of energy before he dies, Archer pulls the lever and sets everything back to uh, the way it was. As um, as the ship is like kind of being destroyed, yeah, and then he wakes he wakes up right after the incident originally happened, and then he is fine and doesn't remember yeah, anything. So he was still. They were kind of hit by this anomaly and some falling debris, but he was never infected by these parasites, so he didn't lose his memories. And they kind of go on from there. And he has what seems like this weird, almost like sense memory of he asks T'Pol to do a bunch of stuff for him before she before she leaves. Like, can you get me a pillow? Can you get me a blanket? Like that kind of thing. And then he's like, "You would make a good nurse." And then she leaves, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah, it's supposed to be the like nod to kind of, which I. Again, like I really liked a lo- like the story arc of this episode, and especially you know it's ostensibly about Archer, but I feel like the more interesting character arc happens with T'Pol in this episode. Like I really liked the 
kind of journey she went on. But I I found the ending I, I found it like the the very very ending like very disappointing that essentially you you had taken your characters on this journey in this arc and then you kind of undid all of it and then they don't even on a like personal level they don't even remember what happened. Yeah, that that's exactly what I was saying when I said earlier that I, the ending didn't really do it for me is because I was comparing it to I was comparing it to like say you know a couple episodes from uh, from TNG that do this pretty well are like uh, the inner light which is the one where he kind of is transported into that other man's body and then has to like live his whole life and then he and then he comes back to his own body he gets shot out of his body and into another person's body in the past and then he has to live the rest of this guy's life and this guy's consciousness with the kind of goal that like this this civilization is dying and they want someone to be able to like, tell their story he then he kind of at the end of that one uh, after he yeah. dies he gets transported back to his own body and he's like well now i'm like the kind of the sole survivor because of he this has world. all the memories of those people yeah i think there's something similar in, in the finale it's like very similar to this actually where basically there is a space-time anom- anomaly that is basically it doesn't make a ton of s- sense if you think about it for too long but <laughs> it's basically created by picard in the future and then it it's like a reverse it, it gets it's getting it's getting larger and larger the further back in time it goes and um and like picard's attempt to fight it in multiple periods of time uh yeah. is only making it worse basically and in that one too it ends uh it, the, that, that ends with 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 uh picard figuring out what to do and then they end up it ends up that this this kind of dark future that was in that episode ends up not happening and no one remembers it except for picard does remember it and so he has he gets, he gets to kind of tell people and i get i get why you wouldn't do that but also at the same time what is the point of us seeing that then it's just like it's just kind of like well and, the, and then here's something that never happened and then also nobody knew about it and it never had any more effect on anyone's life at all yeah you know, it's like the Dan Harmon story circle, where which is a character starts out in a place of comfort and they want something, they have to go get it, and they pay the price, then they and they return to their familiar situation having changed, and it it does all of that except for that then there is no change. Like the story may as well not have happened at all. Like in fact, it did not happen yes, it, at all. It did not happen yeah. for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think and I was because I was trying to remember, and again, I don't remember specific specifics of episodes, but I know. Star Trek, and again, like Next Generation has, and I, uh, I know Voyager at least a couple times has done similar things where there's this sort of time shenanigans and like, you know, Voyager gets destroyed like five or six times over the course of that series and then they find mm-hmm. out a way to undo it by the end of the episode. But, um, and I feel like some, because there are some times where they do the same sort of thing where like at the end kind of no one is the wiser, like no one remembers that it happened Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are all, I find that always really disappointing. Like, um, I thought the, again, like the, the storytelling and narratively the way they kind of got to the ending that they got to, I thought was, was very well told, but then the result of it being like none of them even remembering it is just kind of, it, it feels unsatisfying. Yeah, I agree with you. I think also I, I kind of, I think what T'Pol has to do in this episode is interesting, but I didn't really feel like, uh, Jolene Blaylock, uh, Blaylock really sold it like she seems a little wooden in this episode and i i don't want to like pass judgment on her as a whole because i i definitely in the other two episodes have liked some of the stuff that she's done but i just really wasn't i just didn't i wasn't feeling it in this episode as much actually i thought she did a pretty good job of kind of the because really what this is about is the whole problem i don't know if problem is the right word but sort of the whole 
struggle with with Vulcans. You know that they and and this is they and someone said something about it in this episode, but because it's not that Vulcans are incapable of emotion, right? Like it's not a it's not like a physiologic thing that it's just that they have suppressed their emotion. Is that right? Like yeah, they, yeah. You know, it's not like um, and this is kind of its own ar- arguable thing. It's not like data where they like do not have the ability to experience emotion, but it's more that that just like as a culture over generations and generations they've suppressed any any sort of emotion or feeling or just decided right? almost like decided decided the emotions they have it's not logical to express yeah. them or act on them right because i feel like she actually shows a lot just in kind of like her facial expressions in that like you can see that she's very much struggling with like she is actually having strong feelings and emotions with all of this mm-hmm. and actually for the most part acts based on it right because she you know the her whole kind of what she does in this episode is driven by her guilt that she feels responsible for what happened to archer because you know he did what he did because he was trying to save her and then this terrible thing happened to him that ultimately led to like his race being almost wiped out and so she kind of feels like out of guilt of that she feels this attachment to him and feels obligated to keep taking care of him which is not at all a like logical thing mm-hmm. you know it's it's something that doesn't serve any actual you know i feel like the like vulcan logical response would be there's no benefit to her also kind of giving up all of her talents and abilities that could be used for you know in a position in starfleet or or with the vulcans to just go sit on this planet with this useless person because you feel bad about him mm. you know that it's you have one useless person already why do you why you know it's illogical to have two useless people i feel like would be the vulcan response but you kind of see how difficult this is for her and that she again because like and sort of the closeness that she's that she builds to archer that comes out of that because yeah because she uh you know she's spent every day of the last 12 years kind of presumably telling him the same story and reliving all of this uh, along with him and and I think they show it's it's a very like she does it very subtly you know she never like bursts into tears or laughing or shouting or any of that but you can just kind of see this look on her face of that she's struggling with with like you know that these emotions are trying to come through and she it's almost that she doesn't have a way to express them but but they are driving what she does and kind of you can see that struggle on her face I thought yeah I, I mean I, I can't argue I can't argue with you it's just I just didn't have the same reaction to it but that's a-okay so I the one thing I wanted to kind of talk about that we haven't really delved into is I think the thing that I thought was the most kind of thought-provoking part of this episode was I think this episode a lot of it is kind of about determinism or or it's about almost kind of how people are sort of like programmed almost to do different things or or like hardwired and and that and if you if you take away like the illusion of free will or like if you take away the ability to gain experiences how much that's kind of like laid bare and i'm not saying that i personally don't believe in don't believe that free will exists or anything like that but i think that's kind of like an interesting element of this episode i think you know especially like when at the big tour towards the beginning of the episode when he keeps on trying to do stuff where they're like you already did that you know where where he where mm, he's like oh yeah. well like you told like, me what oh, happened. i had a great idea for how to fix the ship or whatever 
And it's like, you told me that three weeks ago. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, he would just keep on doing that forever because that's the only thing his brain's going to do. Like, it's not like he... Going to follow the same thought process. Yeah, he's not going to be, like, spontaneous because he's not getting any additional inputs. Like, that's how his brain is going to do it. It's, I, I think about sometimes this is... I, I, it's kind of... With this podcast, I don't know if you ever do this, but when I when I listen to the episodes, sometimes I'm listening to something and I'll, I'll... I'm listening to... And I don't remember, like, what you or I said, but I'll hear something that I'll say... That I said or something that you said, and I'll think to myself, oh, that's kind of like this thing. Or I'll, or I'll say that's kind of... It kind of reminds me of this or kind of makes me think of this. And then a minute after I think that, then I say it on the podcast with like the yeah. same word usage that I had in my head. Um, and it's it's a kind of like a, almost like a just a mildly chilling thing to have happened because it really is like, oh man, like I am just, I am myself. You and are like, the way you are. Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 I kind of don't have any control over the way I am in a way. That is a good point. It makes me think of, there's a, uh, a blog I read sometimes that it's a guy who just uh, his whole thing is he just makes fun of the like the newspaper comics. Mm-hmm. Like just every day he'll read you know kind of the comics in his, his newspaper and and make jokes about them. Um, As he should. Most of them are terrible. Yeah, but it, but it, and it's in a very like kind of loving like way. Like he, he says like he legitimately really enjoys like Mary Worth and Mark Trail <laughs> and that. But there's so many great jokes to the like ridiculousness about them. Um, but. Uh, you know, but he'll do some of the the like legacy comic strips, you know, stuff like like Croc or Family Circus or Blondie, mm-hmm. um, that have been, you know, these strips have been written for decades by a number of different people. Yeah. And it's like well documented. Some of these strips will reuse like art or reuse jokes from once it's been long enough, and like we don't have anything for today, and so they'll just kind of pull something out. And he's been doing this blog now for you know over ten years, and so he will sometimes have the same thing happen where like he'll read a comic strip and come up with a joke to say like you know a joke about it Mm -hmm. and then he's like and then i like something seemed like weird or familiar so he'll look back through his old archives and find you know basically the same strip that that they reused and that he had made the exact same joke about it then that he had like come up with completely new now yeah i i don't know i i really just found that kind of not profound maybe but i i I just couldn't stop thinking about that as i was watching it that like he by virtue of not having any new experiences he is kind of like trapped in this prison that he doesn't fully realize that he's in but then he does when people will say to him oh you already did that or this is what you usually do or whatever where it's yeah because they did that a few times a few times you like to walk your dog or whatever and then yeah and he's probably like oh Dang it, I was already thinking about walking my dog, but, you know, I, I can't break out of... I just think it was interesting how that kind of laid bare, like, his patterns and his thought processes and stuff. And then, yeah. um, you know, at the end, too, kind of talking about... Again, I think it, there's there's a way to look at the end of the... of the Not the very end, but, like, the kind of, like, the climax of, of the show as this uh, this look at how, you know, your, your, your processes you are kind of setting them like you're kind of like going to do whatever you're going to do and how that can be inherently a barrier or inherently a help to the overall like general good 
And and so uh, the now I, I do think that like this is also very original series esque in that there is kind of like a one great man subtext to all of this, which I don't really like of essentially the idea that, well, Archer has to be around for humanity not to be completely annihilated. Which I, <laughs> I did kind of, yeah, I did kind of, I didn't think too much about that. It kind of crossed my mind is, is the whole like, yeah, like the only reason that like an entire race was wiped out was because, you know, this one guy wasn't at the command of this one starship and like well without right. him then like we have no hope yeah but then also but then i think that then you know the other way to look at it though is that yes that's true but then their continued devotion to this guy also has is their downfall because this has taken to paul out of commission and it has ultimately led to their destruction because of flox being mm. followed like that's the reason why they're found and so like there is kind of a, the side thing of the basic by by prioritizing this guy over like what they need to be doing uh you know th- that in and of itself is like a process that they've all kind of fallen into that they're that they're now paying the consequences for i think also basically the, the they're able they're only able to do what they need to do at the end after trip dies basically the bridge of the enterprise is destroyed and that's when they can divert the power and so i was like oh that's that's kind of a crazy thing for them to kind of just offhandedly be saying which is that like in order for humanity to be saved this this guy one of our main characters has to get straight up killed uh but then also, I think something that they don't really address that I was kind of thinking the whole time is that what if Archer had just died? Probably things would have gone back to normal anyway, right? Oh, like would that have killed off the the parasites and so right. Yeah, if the ship had just just blows up without him like erasing them, it's like well they're living there. They need to be in his brain, I would think. And so if he if he's vaporized, wouldn't they vaporize too? And wouldn't then uh, things go back to normal? You know, like so there is like again this kind of another underlying thing of in this episode that I think is a lot about like how maybe choice is a is an illusion. Kind of the ultimate thing is like well maybe this all was an illusion. Like maybe maybe in fifty years he just would have died of old age and then it all would have gotten erased anyway. Way, you know so, yeah so kind of back to like one way or another none of this ever happened yeah or like it was always going to happen or not happen like i, I don't know I, I just i i found that stuff I, that that's what i was thinking about the whole episode which is kind of like this kind of stuff which i which i i'll give credit not every episode is of like even the, the star trek shows i really like it make me feel that way or make me think about that kind of stuff so i definitely yeah. i definitely give this one some credit I think we are kind of in agreement. It would have been better if the ending of the, if, if like at the end that anyone would have had any kind of change or growth based on the. Yeah. The, and like uh, narratively, I don't know how you but, could have done that, but, but yeah, it felt very unsatisfying to not have that. Yeah. But again, maybe that is the point, you know, if, if it is all about like determinism, then it's like, yeah, there is no point. Cause it, it doesn't matter. You know, like, I don't know. Hmm. That seems a little yeah. bleak for a Star Trek show though. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe in the next episode, the Earth does actually get destroyed. I feel like that would be the <laughs> the really telling thing about how deterministic it is. Yeah. Um, uh, well, that's all I had. Do uh, you have anything else um, for this this episode? Um, I had a couple of random little things. I thought the <laughs> this one actually. Uh, so we we will occasionally we. We try to help ourselves. We try to do this as little as possible. We will occasionally like text each other as we're watching the shows before it's time to officially talk about them. Just little thoughts that we have about it that we kind of can't hold in. Um, and I think I did send this to you that the the Zindi really just looked like the bad guy from Galaxy Quest to me. It's been so long since the movie that I, I couldn't 
comment one or the other. I, I more remember like that scene with all like the little aliens that turned out to be like cannibals. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, more than I remember like the main actual bad guy from that movie. That's fair. There was uh, there was a scene that I don't think I'd, we talked about, but there there's a scene where there's like the, a Zindi ship that's docked with the Enterprise, and the way they uh, kind of get out of it is that they steer so that that ship crashes into another ship that's attacking them and like destroys both mm, of them. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was like a, both like a cool strategic thing to do. And again, like I, I did think like the visual effects in this episode were pretty, pretty impressive for, you know, especially for television for the early two thousands. And yeah. And then I guess the, the only thing, again, not with the end, but with the, the climax, I suppose, um, is I thought, I don't know, to me, this seemed like an actually, like, a, as a, from a storytelling aspect, a good way to use deus ex machina, um, if that makes sense. That, you know, clearly in sci-fi, you have the ability to just, because you're inventing, you know, parasites that exist outside of space-time, you get to tell us what those are and what they do. And, you know, and so then it turns out that that's how they solve the problem, is that these parasites killing them actually removes their effect from the space-time continuum. But I thought that was, an, I don't know, to me it felt more like that was used to, like actually used to tell the story that they wanted to tell, instead of, I think usually you think of Deus Ex Machina as used as like a way to get out of a, like painting yourself into a corner with the story. That's like, oh, well, like we've told the story up to this point and we now we don't know how to fix it, so we'll just say that, like, some quantum science tachyon thing. Um, but I thought this one, they actually, like, you know, kind of in- intentionally incorporated it into, they'd set this up for that to be the, the way it ended. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a, a good story element instead of a, a cheap one, personally. I don't know what you felt about it. Yeah, that's that's, that's an interesting point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the only other note was there's one, uh, I think it's the big kind of like space battle at the end and there's it's not the enterprise but there's another ship that's uh sort of fighting off the zindi that gets one of their nacelles blown off um and they like have you know somebody says to to captain tucker you know like you know the other ship they've lost their port nacelle and he says tell them okay fine tell them to withdraw and all i could think to myself is like in a circle like i just sort of pictured the ship just kind of like because they only have and i i, I think oh yeah not actually how the engines of Starfleet ships work, but I just kind of imagined it. <laughs> they're, not, like they're not like popper and like circular because they only have propulsion from one side. Yeah, yeah, huh. it was funny to me. <laughs> uh, I don't, again, I don't think that's how they actually work, but. That's how I imagined it. That's a a funny image. Okay. We we go along on these uh, Enterprise episodes, but this is, I think, a more fruitful discussion maybe than... I mean, I like talking about the other Enterprise episodes too, but I think that was a lot of us just kind of dunking on them. So this is... It's nice to have like a a substantive conversation about one of them. So uh, our next episode, we are going to be talking about the original series, uh, Season 3, Episode 2, Elan of Troyes. And... It's actually episode... It's it's episode thirteen, I thought. Oh, is it, you're, oh, you're right. I think it's I think it's episode two. It's it's one of those things where oh, it was like recorded second. Yeah, bit. it's like pr- the okay. production and the release is different. All right, so forget what I said. Sorry. It's it, it's uh, yeah, I think you're probably right. It pro- I think it is maybe episode thirteen is when it was released. Just look up Elon of Troyes. It's a very sexist episode. You'll find it if you, if you <laughs> see sexism, then it's that yeah. one. Well, I mean, original series Star Trek, you may, that may be more than one episode, but. The episode's called Alon of Troyes, so you can, you can look it up that way. It's a season three episode. Yeah, so uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter at contracts, that's C O N T R E K S. You can email us at 
outofcontracts at gmail.com. You can visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com. You can uh, listen to our, the other shows on the Cloudyscope Media uh, Network. You've got That's Not How Science Works, which we already talked about. And we've got Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. And Here's Johnny, which is a horror podcast. So if any of those sound interesting to you, go check them out. And yeah, we'll see you in a couple weeks for Elon of Troyes. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Although listeners of this podcast may find themselves brave for having withstood classic episodes like the body switching, the enemy within, or the gothic witchy horror of Cat's Paw, we at the Here's Johnny podcast like to dive even deeper into the genre of horror. That's right, Justin. And even though you really dated yourself, naming off two super old episodes of Star Trek, here on the Here's Johnny podcast, we review video games and films from all over the horror genre, looking at different subgenres like vampires, aliens, and zombies, and then we compare the similarities and differences between the media. We also have discussion-based episodes, which range from interviews with people in the industry, deep dives into directors, and their filmography or analysis into video game timelines. Yeah, that fictional history of Resident Evil was quite the doozy, but be sure to check us out. You can find us on any podcast site. We have new episodes every Monday, and our website is here's Johnny Podcast.wixsite.com backslash horror. And on there, you can find links to our episode feed, all our social media. It is all there. And remember, in space, no one can hear you scream. And stay scary.